we have almost completed four months of 2021, it being April 30th, or the 120th day of the year. Sometime on May 1st, we will pass through the mathematical third of the year, and there's still time to learn a little more about what's happened in recent days in order to prepare for the future, no matter how you organize it. This tracking is what every installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement is for, and I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's installment, only two segments, the latest in pandemic news and the University of Virginia details the early days of their initiative to build up to 1,500 affordable housing units on property they control. In today's Substack-fueled shout-out, Code for Charlottesville is seeking volunteers with tech, data, design, and research skills to work on community service projects. Founded in September of 2019, Code for Charlottesville has worked on projects with the Legal Aid Justice Center, the Charlottesville Fire Department, and the Charlottesville Office of Human Rights. Visit the Code for Charlottesville website to learn more, including details on projects that are underway. You had no problem with the first one, correct? No. All right, that's good. That's good. Yesterday, the University of Virginia Health System administered the 100th shot in its effort to assist the Blue Ridge Health District with community vaccinations. In all, UVA Health has helped 42,800 people become fully vaccinated against COVID, initially at a location in their hospital, but for the past two months in the Seminole Shopping Center in a space run by the Great Eastern Management Company. The 100,000th dose happened at what's become known as Big Shots. As of this morning, the Virginia Department of Health reports that 30.6% of Virginians are fully vaccinated, and those numbers are higher in the Blue Ridge Health District. Dr. Kosti Safri, the director of hospital epidemiology at UVA Health, said there's a lot more work to do. We think that there's still many, many people left to be vaccinated. Um, it's only been two weeks um, since vaccinations were open to, um, to everybody. Wendy Horton, Chief Operating Officer for the UVA Health System, said the next step is to encourage people to get the vaccine. You know, we do have supply now, and so I think it's encouraging others and addressing vaccine hesitancy. Another step will be to prepare to vaccinate younger people when the age limit for vaccine doses drops below 16. Dr. Craig Kent is the medical director of the UVA Health System. The goal is to get to whatever that percent um, uh, is that reaches herd immunity so that uh, the, the higher the percentage of folks that are vaccinated, the less likely we are to have continued problems with the pandemic. But what is that percentage? Dr. Safri said there is not an agreed upon number and there won't be an on off switch. Let's hear him at length. And the reason for that is that there's a lot of variables that go into, you know, what constitutes herd immunity. Um, and, and it's probably even reasonable to sort of take a step back and say, what is herd immunity? Um, I think the way we most often use that term is sort of when do things look like they're back to normal, where we're doing the same types of things that we were doing before the pandemic or maybe with just some minor modifications. And, and I think that's a reasonable definition of herd immunity. Um, um, whereas maybe in some other context, we would think about herd immunity being um, a situation where there's no more virus, um, that there's no more transmission. I think that latter part is probably um, something that we um, 
can expect is going to be difficult. Um, that we don't know some of the, the the factors that go into this. One, the back the virus is um, changing, becoming more transmissible um, with some of these variants. Um, the second is that we don't know exactly how long the vaccines will um, you know provide us protection. Um, it, they appear very very robust here at six months and. You know, based on that trajectory, we think they're going to be much longer than that. And the third component of this is that there are some people, um, you know, probably around 10% or maybe a little bit more here in Virginia that have some level of immunity based on prior infection. Today, the Virginia Department of Health reported another 1,249 new cases of COVID, and the seven-day average is 1,038. The seven-day average for positive tests is at 4.7%, a figure that has not been that low since mid-October. But let's think for a moment about India, which is experiencing a nightmare that is seeing an unbelievable number of cases and a healthcare system in absolute crisis. Yesterday, there were 379,257 new cases reported there and 3,645 deaths. The actual numbers are expected to be much higher. Dr. Safri said he has been in communications with others involved in the global effort to help. You know, unfortunately, this is such a dire situation. Um, some of the advice that we can provide, uh, you know, is is um, is important. But um, I, I think what's really needed um, is large institutional, governmental, and non-governmental assistance to, to India. I think it's a it's a it's a tragedy, um, and um, you know, it's it's something that. Um, you know, we we our, our hearts are you know uh, uh, you know are are pouring out for what's occurring there. Dr. Safri said the experience in India is a cautionary tale for the rest of the world to not lift restrictions prematurely. We're not done with this virus. Um, we're not done with this virus. Um, you know, um, worldwide um, and uh, the United States, and I would include our community, uh, need to um, um, be partners to. Um, um, turn the tide on this on this pandemic worldwide. You're reading Charlottesville Community Engagement. Thanks. If you're interested in supporting the public policy research that goes into this community resource, there are ways to do so financially. In addition to the Substack subscription, there's also a Patreon account that helps cover the cost of the business, Town Crier Productions. I'm nine and a half months into this experiment, and through Patreon, you can get additional behind-the-scenes podcasts or help promote a nonprofit through a shout-out. If you have any questions, just drop me an email. Thanks to all of those who are supporting me so far, and if you can't, this newsletter and podcast will remain free as long as I'm able to continue publishing it. Finally today, the University of Virginia has begun planning work to implement their pledge to build up to 1,500 housing units to be designated for people at certain income levels on land owned by UVA or the UVA Real Estate Foundation. At a virtual event on Thursday night, President Jim Ryan said housing is one of five areas identified for community partnership. The original announcement of the UVA housing initiative was made on March 10th, 
and the news was quickly overshadowed by the World Health Organization's declaration the next day of the COVID pandemic. So a year later, I'd like to begin by restating our goal up front. And the goal is really simple, is to support the development of 1,000 to 1,500 affordable housing units across Charlottesville and Albemarle County over the next 10 years. We'll do this by contributing land and partnering with a third-party developer. I will say that financial profit is not at all our driver and that our goal has the support of the Board of Visitors and the entire leadership team of the university. In the past year, Charlottesville has adopted a new affordable housing strategy. The Albemarle Planning Commission has a public hearing next Tuesday about the update of their plan. And the Central Virginia Regional Housing Partnership has been holding a series of events, including a speaker series on views from the development community. UVA's work will happen in that regional background, as UVA steps into a role they've not played before. Chief Operating Officer J.J. Davis is serving as chair of the UVA Affordable Housing Advisory Group, which includes community members. The goal for this initial phase of our work is to learn more about how you see the university contributing to an affordable housing solution in our community and to collect input that will help this stage. It is important for me to reiterate that this is just the beginning. No sites have yet been determined for where the new units would be. A quick look at area GIS records shows that the UVA Foundation owns around three dozen properties in Charlottesville and that the rector and visitors of the University of Virginia own around 90. UVA proper owns over 70 parcels in Albemarle, and the foundation owns several dozen. To sort through the possibilities and to establish criteria for hiring that third-party developer, UVA has hired Gina Merritt of North Real Estate Urban Ventures to work through this phase, which will result in the development of a request for proposals. My team's role in the university's affordable housing initiative is to help UVA develop a framework for implementing this initiative. The university plans to solicit developers to help develop university property in a way that meets our collective goals. This will include market research, review of previous studies, and discussion of comparative examples. And once the sites are selected for development, we will evaluate zoning, determine what housing and income types should be located on each site, and then draw diagrams and we'll show basically the potential scale of each building. We will run financial models to determine the best way to finance the development and identify possible resources to fund the project. Merritt presented three examples of developments she's been involved with. One of these is the 70-unit Nanny Helen at 4800 in Washington, D.C., where one-third of the units were replacement units for public housing, and the rest were financed through low-income housing tax credits. The trio took questions from those on the virtual call. J.J. Davis asked the first. So, without further ado, first question. A lot of organizations are already doing affordable housing work. Where will UVA fit in so that they are not competing for funding or duplicating efforts? Jim? That's a great question. Uh, and in some respects, that's part of the uh, community engagement process. I mean, the, the landscape is um, filled with people who are working on this issue already, and we want to figure out the best way that we can fit into this landscape so that we're not um, duplicating efforts or competing, but instead complementing the efforts. 
Next question, when will the units be built? Jim, can I turn that one to you? Um, well, we wanna get started as soon as possible. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, the goal is um, to complete 1,000 to 1,500 units over 10 years. Um, our thought is that we will um, start with one project. But, you know, we are not that experienced in this. And so what we wanna do is um, start with one project and take the lessons that we've learned there um, when we move on to the second or third projects. Near the end of the presentation, Merritt took advantage of the pool feature in Zoom to take the pulse of those attending. Nearly 90% of those participating supported the idea of UVA developing housing for the community on its property. UVA and our uh, neighbors in Charlottesville and Albemarle County and the surrounding counties um, are linked together and our fates are tied together. Uh, and one of the reasons for us to be a good neighbor is because of that. Uh, and I think helping to contribute to uh, ameliorating the supply or increasing the supply of affordable housing is one part of that. We'll be sure to be covering that in the days and weeks and months and years to come. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for Friday, April 30th, 2021. Thank you to those who are signing up for the Substack subscriptions. Those are being matched dollar for dollar by Ting. There have been three in the past 24 hours, which means that there may as well have been six, which is really good. That uh, sort of thing helps me consider my future as I determine whether this is, an, you know, there's been 183 of these so far. I would like like there to be double that, more than that. I'd like to keep doing this for the foreseeable future as I try to bring you information about this community. And thank you to Tang for what they are doing. Um, and thank you to Substack for being that uh, platform that uh, is getting this information out to you, not every day, but as often as I can. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program. I'd like to thank you once again. Happy end of April. Happy May Day coming tomorrow. We'll be back on Sunday with the installment of the Week Ahead newsletter. If you want to pay $10 a month through Patreon, you get access to the special behind-the-scenes kind of goofy podcast that I do uh, for the Patreon listeners. Uh, and then, uh, if not, you know, um, I'm telling jokes here from time to time, too. But of course, the world that we live in is not necessarily always joking, so please understand that, uh, that I'm aware of that. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. And uh, thanks for listening. And what are the things that I say? I always ad-lib this part, which is why it's always so goofy. <laughs> <laughs>